our church is part of the Assemblies of God. And um, if you have been, we've got two different Bibles up here. What we're going to do today is we're going to start reading Genesis 1-1 and read for three hours and see how far we get. <laughs> Just kidding, because I'm already hungry. I don't eat breakfast. Um, but um, the Assemblies of God, we have core doctrines that are backed by Scripture. And if you've been to I Belong, uh, we have 16 fundamental truths. So fundamental, just the basics. You've probably heard that in sports, that you've got to get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals. Um, so there are 16 of those. We have went through three of those. Uh, Dusty did the first one this year. Was all scriptures um, are inspired, is that correct? And God breathed. And he broke into groups and did a very good job at that. And we've had uh, two others. Um, we're going to start with number four today. So what we got, we got four is a fall of man. Then we got the salvation of man. Um, then we have ordinances of the church. That's what they call them. They're one because an ordinance, it's just something we do. Um, you probably think of ordinance and you think of breaking the law. And thank God Lewis County don't have a lot of ordinances. People always ask me that when they're moving here from out of state. They're like, now do you all have building codes and this and that in Garrison? I'm like, Lord, no. <laughs> so... Um, but we have water baptism and communion. Those are two. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's number eight. And then number nine is sanctification. So a lot of that, um, I'm going to break some of those down as we fly through these really quick. Because um, I just kind of want to tie them all together for something in the end. But um, how many of you have been to I Belong? Okay, a lot of you. So you can put your hands down. For what I Belong is, is when you're new to the church... It's a way for you to come in, figure out how our, how our governance is set up, how we're structured, our biblical beliefs, why we believe that, where in the Bible it says that we believe that, um, how, how we set up, how we give to missions, how we, what we do with our offerings, what we do with our money. If you guys have been to that, we are very open about where your money goes and what happens. We're probably one of the few churches that actually do a financial report every February and shows you how much money come in and where that goes. Some, a lot of you guys have been to those. Um, but if you haven't been to I Belong, um, I encourage you, if you're still new to church, I actually have a sign-up sheet that is back there um, by the Mac in front of Andrea and Brittany. So sign up for that after church. I don't have a time on it because I'm just kind of waiting to see who signs up. And then, But um, if you want to get more involved, if you want to teach, if you want to uh, lead a connection group, you've got to go through I Belong. That way you know where we're at and you're on the same page and, and, all, and all that stuff. So um, if you ha haven't been to one of those, uh, and you're interested in doing any of that or just le learning more or knowing more, so please sign up for that. Um, we have some that that have done it two or three times. We have some people that come just about every time we do them just because they just like meeting new people, and we're always kind of revamping and changing, well, not the beliefs, but how we present that. So the presentation of that is always kind of different every year. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, please sign up for that in the back. Um, I belong. We always have a lot of fun. And I uh, usually we do it in like three or four weeks. Um, I have crammed them faster than that. But it's just like an hour, hour, and 15-minute session where we go through these 16 fundamental truths, where we go through uh, the, the ministries of our church and ways you can serve and things you could do. So um, we really believe here and we know that God has not called us just to come and sit in a pew every Sunday, okay? Um, I, that's great. It gives you the feel good. But I promise you God has a bigger plan for your life than just an hour and 15 minutes once a week, okay? So... Um, some of you may not like me. Um, some of you may not like me by the end of this sermon. So if you already don't like me, hey, guys, you're already halfway there. <laughs> Congratulations. But um, I'm just going to try to make this fun. So um, number four, the fall of man. All right, so uh, the fall of man, that is when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden. All right, um, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, and I'm going to give scriptures. Like I said, you can go back through, or you can go to ag.org and go under beliefs, and uh, you can read all these, because I'm telling you, there's probably 150 scripture references for these 16 things. But uh, in Genesis chapter 1, we're not going to read through all that, I was just kidding, but in 26 and 27, um, it tells us that, that God made us in his image, okay? And um, sometimes we let ourselves go. Like I've been, I need to lose thirty pounds. Praise God, I'm I'm up to I'm down to forty pounds. <laughs> I need to lose somehow. I gained more along the way. I don't know what happened to that, but um, we're we are made in God's image. No matter what we think, um, God made us. All right, so we're made in His image. Um, Genesis chapter two at verse seventeen. It God told him, "Don't eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil." Okay, and if you haven't heard this stuff, then you're you're learning for the first time. But I'm sure most of you probably have. Um, if you grew up in children, like it, we didn't even have children's church. It was just Sunday school, and then you had to sit in big church. 
And like when I went to church, I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then I'd go on Thursday nights because my dad was a youth leader, and I'm just—I did not like going to church. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm very thankful for that my parents did make me go. Um, I know sometimes it's just kind of like, oh, we can't do that. Um, that's between you and God, but I'm telling you, I'm thankful because it's hard telling what I would have been into if I wouldn't have been in that um, from a young age. So he tells them, don't eat of the tree of knowledge. What do they do? They eat of it. Didn't take them very long. So um, in Genesis 3, verse 6, the servant is like, hey, come eat this. People always show it was an apple. I don't know what it was. We don't know. That's what the pictures show. Um, and I'll just throw this out there. It always shows like Adam and Eve were white people, blonde hair and blue eyes. They were not. Okay? They, they weren't around. The albinos were not running around in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning of time. Okay? So, but that's just kind of what church has raised us up to think. So anyways, they eat of this fruit. We don't know what it was. Um, she gives it to Adam, and he eats. One of my favorite parts, I don't read a lot of King James because I can't understand it. But whenever God goes to Adam later on, or when they're in the cool of the garden, he's like, oh, he's like, where are y'all at? Like God already knew. But Adam's like, this woman you gave me. In fact, King James says, that, um, this woman thou gavest me. And I'm thinking, God, what a blame shifter. <laughs> God, she just gave it to him. But man, men are hungry. So then they eat it. And that point is where sin entered the world. Okay? It's not, um, it's not, and I'm going to crack some stories and take some jabs, but I'm not going to tell you who they're at. So if you hear somebody laughing, it's probably them. But the thing is, whenever Adam and Eve first sinned, that's, that's where the sin came from. That's where sickness comes from. That's where death comes from. Um, and even later on in the Bible, people are asking Jesus, okay, so why is, why is this man, is it because of the sins of his parents that he's lame, that he's blind? Jesus is like, no. But when, when Adam and Eve partook of that fruit that God told them not to, that's where sin and death entered the world. And it tells us that even in Romans uh, chapter 5, the death and sickness came by man's sin, the initial. doesn't matter if, um, if you get sick and come down with strep, that you stole some gumballs at Walmart the week before. doesn't matter. Okay, you're not getting sick because of those gumballs you stole. Y'all are like, that's one of those stories, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I'm not telling you. So that, but that, it doesn't matter what kind of sin that you've done. That's not why you get sick. There's a lot, there are people that preach that. That's not the truth. That's not what God's word said. So, so there was this fall of man. We were created in God's image. We sinned. We messed up. Then there were all these sacrifices and everything that had to be done. So, uh, fall of man. Uh, number five. This is the good part where it picks up. Um, salvation of man. Okay, so there was a fall, but there was also a redemption. And um, the, our hope of redemption through Jesus' death, okay? Not Jesus' baptism, but our hope of redemption came through when Jesus died on the cross, when he made that ultimate sacrifice. And thank God, because up until that point, if you read through the Old Testament, especially like uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all that stuff, it talks about all these sacrifices, and if you sin this way, then you've got to cut this pigeon in half and do this. Like, I'm not a big blood person. I mean, like, I hunt. I'm not, like, I don't kill stuff a lot, obviously, if you follow Ben's post. Somehow he doesn't go hungry. Oh, and that reminds me. I got gay. I'll just tell this because I got ADHD. Uh, your mom, she was watching the live service and she made an angry face. <laughs> it popped up on my phone. I know she didn't mean to, but it was just like Reed Anderson. It was that red one. So yeah, we'll have to get about that. But and I got a notification. I was like, who was it that was mad? And it was Rita. And I was like, uh. So Rita, we love you. Um, but uh, I don't really like the blood and guts part of that. And one time, like I was. I think it was the second. I've only killed two deer. But the second one I killed, it was a doe. And, like, I was cutting it, and a milk sack squirted in my face. <laughs> and I was like, because <laughs> I, 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 I don't get grossed out, but, like, smells and stuff make me gag. So, yeah, I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. I'm glad that when Jesus gave his son on the cross that he was the ultimate sacrifice, Okay. So um, the salvation of man, John 3, 3 says, unless you're born again, you can't see heaven. I'm just paraphrasing this because I told you I had a ton of scripture. I probably got 30 scriptures this morning. Um, and the thing is, our repentance, it means we turn away from our sins. We don't keep doing the same stuff we're doing. Does it mean we're perfect? No. But we've got to make a change. Jesus gave, he gave his son and that sacrifice so that even though man fell in sin and death and everything else came from that, there's a salvation of man. Um, da, da, da. Ephesians 2.8 says that we are saved by grace 
Um, it's not anything that we have done. God sent his son. We're saved by grace. It's our works. It says that we should, um, we, faith without works is dead. It says that we should still like back up what we're saying. Like if we're praying and believing God for somebody to take care of somebody homeless, this is just, but, but we're not willing to go help clothe or feed them. Oh God, I'm going to believe for somebody else to do that. Maybe the somebody is you. So we need to back up our faith with our works. So, um, we do need to do that, but ultimately our salvation is just because God is gracious. He loves us when we mess up. He loves us when, when we don't look the best and we don't act the best. He still loves us, and that salvation came through that. Um, Ephesians 4.24 um, says, Put on the new man. I am going to read that. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new man. And it says, oh, this is from the message. Have, anybody, have any of y'all ever read the Message Bible? Um, I actually, I've, I've read it online, but I actually bought one like about six months ago. Robert Morris, I listened to a lot of podcasts, and he was talking about when you're reading your devotional time, best to read through the Message because it's like a story, and it is. So, I'm, But like it gives you like a paragraph, and that might be three verses. So Ephesians 4.24 um, says... Uh, and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Like the way that it says that. So, so we're changing. We're, yeah, we're a work in progress, but people should be able to see a difference. And thank God for that salvation. Um, and Titus uh, 2.12 in the message, it uh, says how we need to live righteously. Titus, Philemon, Hebrew, James. I learned a Bible song when I was a kid of how the books of the Bible and it still work. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm not going to sing it for y'all because I've been singing enough today. But um, I do want to read this from the message in Titus 2.12. It says, 11.3.14. It says, God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everybody. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, we're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. Don't you just love how that words that? I'm sorry I'm having to rush through that, but there's just too much to get through today um, with having six of them to get through. But... Uh, God has given us a chance at this life, and there, there should be a change there. Can I th God did not send his son to die on a cross so you can say a prayer one time in your life and keep living your life however you want to. I mean, would you, would you love, I mean, if you love somebody that much, would you give, I don't have kids. Um, I love everybody else's kids, but like, I can't imagine giving something that you care that much about for a people that you know are going to be rotten and mean and worthless. And then them say, oh, God, I want to live for you. And then keep doing whatever they want to do. I'm telling you, God did not. There's, there needs to be a change. There's got to be repentance. There's got to be a turn. So I'm thankful for that salvation. Um, so we've got the fall of man. We've got the salvation of man. We have ordinances of the church. Uh, two of the ordinances of the church, um, like I said, are water baptism and uh, holy communion. These are both number six if you go on our beliefs. Um, I, we've, done, we've talked a lot about baptism. Uh, we had two weeks of baptisms, and I'm sure that we'll probably need to have more. I don't know if we'll do services on the creek anymore this summer, but we may have to head down there again after service one day, and then David can take all of us out to eat after. See, I threw your name in there. Like, you didn't see it coming, but I did make sure I mentioned you in service, so you're buying everybody dinner. No, I'm just playing. But um, baptism and water, uh, and we talked about that. The, the baptism is not what saves you, Okay. Um, and there are churches that differ on the opinion of this, and sometimes, sometimes even when you get down to the nitty-gritty of things, they, if, you really, if you really get down to it, it's not going to be outspoken, but they, if a person gets saved at the altar or makes that commitment to Christ and then they got in a car accident and died on the way to the baptism, they think they're not going to go to heaven. They think that much that the baptism is what saves them. But Romans says... Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be 
saved. It doesn't say anything about, now, should we get baptized? Yeah, Jesus did it, and you can read through that in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus was baptized. Obviously, he didn't have to be. He was the son of God, but, but we need to do that. And as you, may, as you come and make that prayer to God that, God, forgive me my sins, uh, I want to live for you, you know, help me to exceed in my, in my purpose, speak that calling into my life. As we're moving forward in that, um, that's the next step is baptism. And, and then you're living your life, and I've said it before just because we heard this and I've had years of theology classes, but um, when you get saved, that's like the inward work and the baptism is the outward sign to the, to the world that, you know, I've made this decision in my heart to live for Christ. I'm going to be water baptized. I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. So you can read through Jesus' account when he was baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. All right. And we also have Holy Communion. Uh, with COVID and everything, there wasn't a lot of communion going on, um, obviously, because they didn't want people, uh, like, spreading COVID. I mean, pretty plain and simple. Uh, we did that a while back. Um, there's not where, you know, nowhere in the Bible does specifically say how often you're supposed to do communion. Um, I know some churches do it every Sunday. Uh, some churches do it once a month. Some churches do it uh, once a quarter. Uh, here, we just kind of do it. Whenever I don't, we don't really want it to be something so habitual that it's like, well, I'm gonna come in and drink that juice and eat that cracker. Um, you know, we just want it to be something super special. And everybody does stuff different. I'm not saying if somebody does stuff different, it's not special. But we just kind of do that whenever. And uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus said to do it in remembrance of me. Um, I don't know, Last Supper. It's just it's a depressing phrase because it, I mean I don't want a Last Supper. I'm going to eat all the time. Right, Earl Brown? Y'all going to have to wake up and start laughing a little bit. Tell you're falling asleep on me. So uh, there is Holy Communion. We do believe in that. You can read through the Gospels in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and you can read in 1 Corinthians. It talks about communion. Um, and it always freaks people out, you know, if they're new and you're not, you just make sure your heart's right with God. That's why we always take a time of reflection before we partake in that so you can kind of Check your heart, God, is there something? Because I don't want to, if I'm doing this in remembrance of you and this is your body and your blood that was shed for me, I want to take that serious. But if you read through the Bible and you're not a Christian and all of a sudden you get to the part, especially King James, where it starts talking about Jesus like, eat my body and drink my blood. <laughs> it sounds like something off the walking dead is what I think of. So we, we try to explain that stuff, and that's one of the things. That if you're not sure, like I said, I can't unpack everything this morning. But um, check out I Belong. But we do believe that that's, that's something the church needs to do is communion, and we take it seriously that it is holy. We don't do a closed communion I'm at this church. I actually grew up in a church where they did that, and I remember when it was communion time, and I grew up in an old-school church. We did communion and foot washing. So you preached. Who did, who's ever washed somebody's feet at the church? Yeah, and sometimes some of the ladies didn't take off her pantyhose, so then you just, like, wash them through pantyhose. And I'm like, is, that, is Jesus still going to honor it? No, I'm just playing <laughs> But I just stuff when you're a kid, stuff goes through your mind. Um, but it's it's something pretty cool to see because that's what Jesus did. He wraps a towel around his waist, and what blows my mind through the Last Supper, he even cracks on Judas. He's like, "When are you going to betray me?" And he's like, "The one who dips after me." And here's Judas. I can just imagine chewing on his, chewing on his bread. Jesus says that, and then he dips in. He's like, "Is it me, Lord?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah." Jesus knew, and this, this has nothing to do with that, but can I tell you something? Jesus knew when he called Judas that he was going to be the one to betray him. When he called him, was looking for disciples, he knew before that Judas was going to stab him in the back and twist it while he was looking him in the eye smiling, and he still chose him. And I don't know if you've got some enemies or some people in your life, some people in my life that sometimes you just really do not want to be around and you know. And especially if you're like in leadership where you've got to work with them and call them into things. And whether it's in secular or church or whatever, do what Jesus would do. Jesus did not snub Judas because he knew. I mean, guys, he, he killed him for 30 pieces of silver. And he knew it. And he still called him. He still let him follow him around. He still ministered with him for three years. How much more should we be? And I'm not saying it's easy, and especially different parts of your life, and somebody says they're going to do something for you, and they don't, and you know they didn't, and you still got to serve them anyways. 
that's what we're called to do. And I'm not telling you to do anything that, that I'm not willing to do. And it's hard. And I don't, I don't talk. I, if you were here the last time, I don't talk politics in church, do I? I don't. I won't, I won't do any of that stuff here. But let me tell you something. Just like it's hard when somebody tells you you're going to do something for you, and then they don't, you know they didn't, and where it gets back around. Guys, we've still got to serve those people and do it with a good attitude. Because let me tell you something. Faith with works, with, atti- with attitude, is still dead. Because you can have faith and works, but if you've got attitude, it still wipes all that out. We had faith with works without attitude. But that just blows my mind that Jesus still called Judas, knowing good and well he was going to hang him. And sometimes as Christians, we're like, I'm just, I'm not going to talk to them. And now sometimes, I ain't going to lie, I'll say that, but I usually will come around, God forgive me, and I'll just be like, oh, you know, hi, how are you? It's good to see you. And I don't, I mean, I do mean it, but I'm thinking, gosh, I hope they don't ask me for any favors because I really don't want to go that far. Just being honest. But God has called us. We've got to be different. Uh, we've got to be different. Amen. Um, Holy Communion. Yep. Uh, going on uh, to the <laughs> Oh, Lord, this is my favorite. Because this is where everybody thinks we're crazy. <laughs> if if you can or have not, please come to I Belong because we unpack this seven and eight a whole lot better. So baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right? Just going to throw it out there, speaking in tongues. It's in the Bible. All right? Have you ever seen it in there? Okay. It's in the Bible. Um, I grew up in a church where they preached against that. When it got to that part, they were like, well, that was just when Je- after Jesus died, all that went away. And I'm thinking, okay, so healings went away. So miracles went away. Uh, we can't just pick and choose. Either it all goes or none of it goes. So um, baptism of the Holy Spirit is different from salvation. It's different from water baptism. Um, it is different from anything. Um, in Luke chapter 24, I'm going to... Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 2 Corinthians. See, y'all want to know that song. But I don't have to look in the front of my Bible um, at the, what they call it, table of contents. Golly, I haven't even looked at the table of contents in forever. But um, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, um, it's talking about uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's like, get me out of here. He's like, she's already talking crazy. So uh, 24, see, 49. I'm going to read a couple verses. Um, see, starting from here. From Jerusalem, you're the first to hear it and see it. You're the witness. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my and this is Jesus talking. I'm sending what my father promised you to stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power on high. So Jesus is telling them about this gift he's going to send them. Then he led them out of the city to Bethany, raising hands, and he blessed them. Um, so this gift that he promised, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said he's going to send it. In Acts 1-4, he actually tells them about a gift. It's going to give you power. When you don't know what to pray, there are going to be these utterances and these other languages from you that are going to come forward. And in Acts 1-8, he says it's power. And um, in the Bible, it says dunamis, I believe, which is Greek or Aramaic for... Power. I mean, like if Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh Lord, thank God she ain't here, ready to ride. <laughs> if, Arnold, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was here and was like, power, I mean, that's the kind of power that it has. And a lot of times people are like, mm, that's weird. And it is. I'm not, when I first went to church, I was like, I got to get out of this church. These people are crazy. I mean, I'm just being, and I'll tell you a story because I have the microphone. Um, which me and Ben are like eight years apart. You guys know that. So when he was graduating high school, I was graduating fourth grade. <laughs> when you think about that, it's creepy. <laughs> so, but anyways, we were, I think I was 19 or 20 when we started dating. And then we got married, like, engaged, like, engaged, dated, engaged, married real quick. So anyways, I've heard him tell this story a lot when he's preaching. He don't tell it as often, probably because it embarrasses him. But, um... Now, he he had, he had when he got saved at Raceland Church, he had uh, met this girl. Um, somebody had set him up on a date with, and he's like, "Well, I'm you know, if you want to go on a date, let's go to church." And I'm telling the story. Uh, it's my story. Well, anyways, he takes. Huh? Well, no, we ain't got the microphone. It's my story. So he takes this girl to church up at Raceland. They they're having these wild Holy Ghost services. Okay, well. 
He turns around. She's gone. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Church is over. They're looking in closets. Like, for an hour after church, they're like, oh, my gosh, where did this girl go? And Ben's like, they're going to think I've killed her and kidnapped her. That girl took off walking down 23. This was before cell phones. Stopped somewhere and had somebody come pick her up and take her home. So she got so scared. But ben, and Raceland's a big church if you've ever been in there. But Ben said they was, like, looking in closets in classrooms. Oh, that's so much more hilarious when I'm telling it. <laughs> so... um, but I promise you guys, it's in the Bible, and there is also orders to stuff. A lot of times, churches won't do orders, just like if it feels good, do it. I'm thinking, okay, that's a worldly mentality, but um, whatever. But there is power that comes from that. So seven and eight are kind of tied together. They're two different things. So when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that is speaking in tongues, which is this, just going to be honest, this weird stuff that we don't understand. Um, and if you read in Acts chapter... Um, 2.8, it talks about that they were um, they were speaking in an unknown language. Well, just read through. Don't just read there. Read all of chapter 2. But it talks about where they're speaking in unknown languages. And the people that were there were like, how are these Galileans speaking in something that we know? So I'm just going to be It's a heavenly language. It's another language. It ain't English. If you've ever heard me talk, I don't speak good English. I wish Sam Love was here because he, when he found out I was teaching English at the high school, he was like, how in the world are you teaching English? You can't even speak. I can't. That's what he, we always joke, and then I give him a hard time about Krispy Kremes. That's just how we roll. But um, everywhere in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, when it says that people were filled with the Holy Spirit, either every single one, all those instances, it said that they spoke in other tongues. So please get with us. If you want to learn more, we can have a nice chat around the campfire. You can come to class because I, I can't unpack all this. I could spend like three hours just on that. I don't want to even talk for three hours on the same thing. My brain won't let me do that, but um, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues. It's, it, Paul also talks about it as a prayer language. And you guys that have been to I Belong, do you, do you understand it a lot better? Raise your hand if you've been to I Belong and understand the Holy Spirit stuff better. Okay, thank you. So, like I said, I just don't have enough time to, to unpack that, but You've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues, and it's in the Bible. It's in there. Do a lot of churches abuse that and go crazy with it? Yes, because even in Corinthians, Paul talks about there's supposed to be order to that stuff in service. There shouldn't be any more than, than three messages and in interpretation in tongues. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in tongues. But then if you go in Corinthians, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's also different gifts of the Spirit where Paul's talking about there's a gift of wisdom, there's a gift of knowledge, there's a gift of faith, and there's a gift of miracles. Um, and healing, um, and it says that there is a gift of a message in tongues and an interpretation of tongues. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit that's, that's, that's this unknown language, in this instance, it's, it's the same thing, but in this instance that I'm talking about right now, it's kind of as a prayer language. Paul says when we don't know where to pray, the Spirit groans for us. That's it. Like I said, come see me, please. It's in the Bible. I have scriptures. You, like I said, read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. All those instances where it talks about people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. Um, so it's the same thing, but it's different. So the gift of tongues that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, it's just like uh, it's used differently. So it's used for, for God speaking through to actually give a message to the church. So baptism in the Holy Spirit in our prayer language is... Um, kind of edification us communicating and praying with God when it's a message in tongues or interpretation in tongues it's a gift that's used to edify and build up the whole church clears mud right <laughs> that's why I told you I made that logo looking like that because that's like and you like my jeep my picture Jesus bingo it's like it's like cousin Eddie but it's Jesus but um it, it's in there Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. We've all got a cousin Eddie somewhere in our family. He's just got a different name. So um, a lot of people get scared of that. I'm going to be honest, when I first started going to that church, I was like, oh, man, them people are nuts. I can't go to church there. Because my whole life I had grown up being told that that was wrong and they were going to go to hell. And then with, with me personally, kind of know like when you feel like you're supposed to get saved and you don't and how your heart's beating, you're like, oh, my gosh, would church just be over with already? I, I left Raceland Church because I was going there. Ben was um, 
you were down at Orangeburg at the time then, because then he came back whenever he moved back, and then that's where we met, and he chased me. That's why he was so skinny a long time ago, because he was running after me. He always tells this on me, but then, like, once I knew I had him, I quit running, so then I put on weight. <laughs> and now he's lost it again, so I don't know what he's running after now. But, no, I'm just kidding. But... I thought they were nuts, and, and when I was going to these services and they were talking about this, there was a hunger. There was something deep inside me. I can't explain it, but it's like the, like when you first get saved, it's like God was drawing me and trying to teach me about this. So I went home, and I read my Bible for myself. I didn't, want, I didn't, I didn't listen to what somebody, yeah, we need to trust, but you got to be careful what you're filling yourself with because whatever you hear and listen to all the time, it's what's going to be in your heart. That's when it's going to go through your thoughts. So I checked into, and it's the real deal. And if you want to know more about that, come see us. Um, look, we're going to finish up with number nine. I've done pretty good, guys. I mean, I've, this is number six, and I'm about done. Another three hours, and we'll be out of here and at the Sizzler. Just kidding. They don't have Anybody remember when Sizzler was up where the roadhouse used to be? It was T-Berry Steakhouse and then the Sizzler. Thank you, David. I, I knew you'd know. Yeah, burrito. That's his nickname. I didn't give it to him because you all know you all think I'm mean. But um, the last one is sanctification. Who knows what that means? Anybody ever been in one of those services where they ever say, been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost? You ever heard of one of them? I always heard that when I was growing up. But um, sanctification is actually a process. It's not just something that, um, that we arrive at once we get saved. I'm going to read this one little thing that's off of the website. But it says, Sanctification is an act of separation from that which is evil and a dedication to God. Okay, so sanctification is a separation. Been to this sermon one time, and I remember, like, the weirdest stuff, like if somebody gets hurt doing something or falls. <laughs> that time you got stung by that wasp. Yes, I did. I'm horrible. Amy Brown, we were down there digging. This has been like five or six years ago. But anything that happens that's weird or funny, I remember that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Amy was down there. There's always wasps when you open that door. And she got stung like twice. I just lost it. And then I got stung like I was putting up kayak racks a little bit later. And it hurts. Bad. But I still laughed. And Amy's like, see what you get. But, yeah, if, if you're ever hurt, don't take me with you. I'll check on you after I quit laughing. But Ben did this sermon one time, and um, it was on sanctification and separation. And he had this sucker. This was you, wasn't it? And he licked it. And then, like, went to somebody. was like, hey, you want this? Now, some people are weird. Like, yeah, I want it. But the thing is, like, once you lick that sucker, it's yours. It's set apart. Nobody wants to touch that. And he's, he's said that ever since. And, I, like, I remember the weirdest stuff like that. And I'll tell him that this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to tell it because i got the microphone. Um... I went somewhere the other day. Oh, we went through Wendy's with the basketball team the other day, and I got a junior bacon cheeseburger. Well, one time me and Ben had went up to Portsmouth and went through the drive-thru for about Livingston's. And he pulls up, and I wish Xander Bivens or Glennis was here because they remember it. But Ben pulls up, and he's like, I want a junior chicken beef burger. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked and went, what? And I lost it. The girl's laughing, and... So then ever since, and I can say it, it rolls off my junior bacon cheese, wait, junior chicken bees churger. Chicken bees churger. Yeah. So then Zayner was always like, hey, Ben, did you get that junior chicken bees churger? <laughs> so if you ever want to go to Wendy's, get a junior chicken bees churger. Yeah, they're better than the bacon cheeseburgers, apparently. I don't know what's in them. But anyways, he got tongue-tied on that. So it probably sounded like he was speaking in tongues, but he was just trying to say bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> So uh, sanctification, it's separation, and it's where we're set apart. And, um, and this, I'm, I'm, I'll be closing with, with this one, like I said. But um, when we get saved, there's got to be a difference. And I'm going to read part of this. It's just Romans chapter uh, 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, so here, and this is from the message again. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture 
that you fit into it without even thinking, ouch. Do you sit, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So whatever we hear, whatever we're feeling, guys, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you hear, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, that's what's going to come from your... If you're wondering why God ain't speaking to you, what you're supposed to do in life, probably because you got too much junk and too much garbage. Quit listening to the stuff you're listening to. Quit hanging around the people you're hanging around. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you can't win people to Christ if all you do is ever hang around and save people. I had somebody... Oh, I got the microphone. I'm just going to say it because they're not in this room. But um, I had somebody that could not believe that we had a lot down at the camp because of those people down there. And I was thinking, and the person that, that was talking to them, they were like, how are you ever supposed to win anybody if you don't? And I know without a shadow of doubt, we're those people's pastors. They had us pray for stuff. They had us do everything. So I'm not saying that, that you can't ever be around anybody and say we've got to win people. But when we're baby Christians or we're new Christians and we're struggling with things, we can't keep hanging around the same people that we struggle with. If there's something you got to try to, you're trying to quit doing, you may have to quit hanging around those people. Dusty said it before; he had to quit hanging around some people for like six months or a year because of his mouth. There's got to be a difference. So I love when Paul is saying that, and I really love for them. So fix your attention on God; you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down. To the level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm t get a message Bible, I'm telling you, especially for reading stuff like this because it just puts it in plain language. But there is, there's got to be a difference. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Without holiness, we're not going to see the Lord. So if we don't have a holy knife, we're not going to see him. We're not going to hear from him. First Peter uh, 1, 15 through 16 says, Be holy because he is holy. If we want to be like God, then we got to act like him. Um, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says it's, we got to continue. It's a process. Sanctification is a process. You're, you can't be saved, saved and sanctified right off because it's a process. If we're ever sanctified, that means that we have totally arrived and we're totally perfect. And I know, Earl, you might think you are, and you do a pretty good job, but not totally. But it, it's a process. And uh, Romans, uh, in Romans chapter 6, and I think this is like the last scripture I'm going to read, um, Romans chapter 6, 6 through 14. And again, I'm from the message. That's, what I, that's all I've done today. Um, it says, Could it be any clearer our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end of that sin-miserable life, no longer captive to sin's demands? What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. And in closing, it says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. So you get you got to cut ties. There's got to be a difference. Yeah, once we're strong enough and get to that point, I think we can start going. I wouldn't recommend going into a bar or anything like Frankenstein's or nothing like that, unless God really just opens up and literally speaks to you and you see him. But um, there's got to be a change. We've got to cut ties. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. You are living in the freedom of God. And it doesn't mean that we are perfect, obviously. But I tell you something that um, that God has kind of spoke to me, just because, like I said, Ben had this calendar already worked out um, for a long time now, and um, I was trying to think like this is the most unprepared I feel like I've ever been for a sermon, and I probably looked more, I don't know if it's just where there's six different things and I'm trying to make sure I squeeze everything in. 
But um, we always ask, like, you know, what's the Holy Spirit? What do you feel like God is saying to you through this message? So as we've talked about, at least the thing with sanctification and separation really went home with me because we, we want to be Christ-like, we want to be followers, but can I tell you something? A lot of times as Christians, we can kind of use that as a, well, I'm, I'm still a work in progress, a.k.a. I'm still going to keep with my snide remarks, I'm still going to keep what I'm doing because I'm a work in progress. We're not actually trying to do away with any of that old stuff. It's just like, well, I'm not perfect, so that's just me. That's a cop-out is what that is. That's saying I'm not going to change because this is just me. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. If you all hang around me enough, you'll, you'll find that. And I'm not trying to use that as a cop-out. I really try. It is, Paul says that he struggles daily. He, he knows what he needs to do, but he keeps doing what he's not supposed to do. Because whenever sin entered the world, that's where the temptations, the thought, that's where all that garbage came from. And so we, things that we can help is, um, is making sure that we're listening to the right stuff, making sure we're hanging around the right people. Um, and like I said, I'm not... At all, I know this is like the third or fourth time I said that. Yeah, you can hang around and say, but if there's some things that you're struggling with, sometimes you got to cut ties. People have to see something different in you and me than the world. And I've spent a lot of time with teenage girls over the last six months, <laughs> and I've had some real conversations about stuff. And I'm just I'm going to be real because it's it's this is not in my notes, but it's just what I've heard that. Like, you know, people tell me I need to go to church and they tell me what I need to do, but then when I see their social media and they're out in a bar drinking and they're out doing this and they're out doing that, how in the world do they expect me to go to church on Sunday whenever they're or whenever they're in a relationship that, that they're not married or they're, they're not? I'm just going to be honest. I've had kids tell me that. Now, whether or not they're using that as a crutch because they don't want to come to church, it could be because how many of you know teenagers will say anything and they'll turn your own life against you parents? So I'm not saying that, but if it's not, woe is me. And it breaks my heart when we're trying to win the next generation, guys, and we can't even get our crap together. And then, so, like, I'm trying to work on this sermon, like, months ago, and I'm thinking, God, is like, for me personally, I feel like you just asked, and I'm going to ask you guys the same thing. What if your life, because he asked me, what if your life, what if my life, what if our way of living and doing things, and yeah, we're not perfect, okay? We, we've, already dis we've already discussed that. What if our way of doing things is keeping somebody from coming to Christ as a Christian? What if the way I'm living my life, what if the way I'm acting, what if the way I'm talking is keeping from somebody from coming in these doors and sitting in here? What if the words that come out of my mouth, what if the hate that comes out of my mouth, what if the actions, what if my social media status, what if the things that are going on, what if I'm the reason that somebody's dying and going to hell? That's not a fun thought because we think a lot of times as Christians, guys, we've got it all together and we don't. I feel more inadequate to preach this morning than I ever have. Because I don't have it together, but when I've got kids telling me that, that I'm trying to win to Christ. And the stuff that they're seeing from adults that are supposed to be Christian and top-notch, why would you come? Why would you change everything if you've got people that are straddling the fence? Why would you do that? And I'm not talking about people. I'm, I'm talking about proclaiming blood-bought Christians. They've got saved They've been baptized. They, they do church. They do. I'm not talking about somebody that's not saved. We've got people from all walks of life in here, so, so don't think that, oh, my gosh, she's ripping me. I'm never coming back. I'm just telling you what God asked me. Les Leslie, what if you're the reason that somebody hasn't come to know me? And that's a very hard question to ask because I'm thinking, okay, we can't keep saying that. I'm a work in progress. Yeah, we are. That's a given. But who are we living for is what it ultimately. If I'm living for Leslie, it's not good. I want to see more people. In our county, there's about 13,000 people. Rough statistics show there's only about 3,000 that, that are going to heaven that are saved. Guys, there's 10,000 people in our county that are going to hell. The numbers are real. 
And it is not enough to come in and get the feel goods on a Sunday morning. I want to be the kind of example that leads change. I want to be the kind of person that that goes that, and I'm not I'm I'm not there. But man, when God asked me that, I said, "What if you're the reason that that somebody's not coming to church?" And I want you guys to ask yourself that question, not because I'm pointing to you and I don't have it all together. But I don't want to see the kids that I drive on a bus go to hell. I don't want to see family members go to hell because I'm just making a mess of stuff. You see where I'm coming from this morning? And I'm not a crier. I don't even know why I'm crying. And it's not that I'm big and tough. I just deal with stuff different. Like when I break down and cry, it's usually at the end of the day, like when everything's done. I do not want to be one of those people, though. And I don't ever, if I get to heaven, I don't want God to say, well, so-and-so, Kip, so, so let me ask you this. Just stand to your feet with me this morning. That's, that's what I want you to ask yourself. Just bow your heads and close your eyes and just, just say, Holy Spirit, who am I living for? I mean, you just ask yourself that and you ask him and just ask him that... Um, God, are there things in my life that I'm keeping from someone from getting saved? Is there something that that I'm doing that um that I could be doing differently that I'm not because I'm just using a cop out? But God, is there something that I could do differently to win someone to Christ? And just see what he says because I know he spoke to me about about those things, about Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God, who am I living for? God, what things are the things in my life? Just as, as you're thinking on that, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're trying to get, maybe you have kids that aren't saved. Maybe you have parents that aren't saved. Maybe you have spouses. Maybe you have other family members. Maybe you, maybe you have coworkers that aren't saved. And I just want you to ask: Is there something in my life that's preventing them? Well, so and so's into that. There's no sense in me even wasting my time on that. What if the things in your life, in my life, are why somebody's not buying in? I'm just, I'm just going to ask a couple questions. You just slip your hand up. I'm going to be the only one looking around. You can just slip your hand up real quick if, if you feel led to do so. But I know that we've had a lot of salvations. I know we've had a lot of baptisms in the last couple weeks. I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get complacent on that stuff though, and think that well, everybody's good. So we, we still got to grow. We still got to change every week. So if, if you feel like that. It may be there's some things in your life that that you could change or that God's speaking to you that we need to change or work on. If you love feel like there's stuff in your life that that's going, just slip your hand up so I can pray for you. My hand's up. <laughs> A whole lot of hands up. Um, you can put them down. Guys, like I said, I know we're not perfect. But if I've got somebody that I'm around a lot, I don't want anything in my life to prevent them from going to heaven or having a relationship because they're looking at me and seeing all the stuff that I'm doing wrong that I know I shouldn't be doing. I'm doing it. I don't, I don't want to be the cause of that. And apparently a lot of you don't either. I'm thankful for that you're honest about that. And another part of our life, a lot of times we don't want to give everything we have to God. We just give him the parts we want. Well, God, I'll give you an hour on Sunday morning, but I'm not giving you any of my tithes. I'm not going to give you any of my time. I'm not going to give you any of my treasures because I'm just not comfortable doing that. And guys, the only people that we are hurting when we do that stuff 
is ourselves because if we if we don't give it all to God and let Him have control, if we're scared of doing certain parts and certain things and we can't go there, I promise you it's stopping you from what God is calling and what He's wanting to do in your life. So as your, as your heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask one more question and, and then we're going to pray together. But is there anyone in here this morning that, uh, that you feel like you need to give your life to God? Even if it's something that you've done before, if you just feel like that, God, I just need to totally surrender to you and I need to give you my life. And um, I want to live for you. I've, I've been living for me. I've been messing up. I don't have my stuff together. I did at one time, or maybe you never have it. If that's you and you want to get saved this morning, just slip your hand up so I can see, please. Just slip your hand up. I think you can put them down. Before we pray, like I said I don't. I don't want anybody to think that gosh, she just beat me over the head. I'm just telling you that God has been working and judging on me the last the last couple months and more so the last week and really this morning things that weren't even in my notes but if we're willing to lay that stuff down I'm telling you God God will bless that you'll see you'll see those answer prayers you'll see your kids come to Christ you'll see you'll see family members you'll see job situations work out whenever you just are totally reliant on him I'm telling you it happens it's not it's not a magic doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect but when we lay stuff down to God and get our lives right and get in check and are actually living in that in that process of sanctification where we're being set apart. We're solely focused on God's thing, things line up. I can't explain it. It's spiritual. But um, just just uh, repeat after me if you can. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to please forgive me of all my sins, my failures my shortcomings I lay them all down at your feet this morning I pray that you would take control of my life I give it to you Lord help me to love you to serve you and most importantly be the best example of you that I can be. Lord, I just pray for this group of people that are here this morning. God, I just pray blessings upon their life. God, I pray blessings upon their finances. God, upon their relationships. God, I pray that you begin to speak into their lives, those relationships, God, that maybe they need to cut ties with. God, that, that maybe even for a time, God, and then you'll bring them back around where they can be a better witness, God. But I just pray blessings on these people this morning, God. I pray health. I pray wellness. God, I pray that you would help us to go out of here today, God, with that power that you were talking about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God, that, that we would go out, that we would win others to you for your kingdom, we would see them baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go out into the nations even, God. God, in our communities, God, that we would do great things for you and, and hear the call that you have placed upon our lives. God, we love you. God, we thank you. Amen.